Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 207 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is February 6, 2012. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. The day after the Super Bowl, I apologize for getting the podcast up a little later on this Monday. I was in Las Vegas doing a little R&R after signing day, and we're going to talk about some stuff that happened on signing day with our two guests today. We'll have Dan Weber on a little bit later, and then Coach Harvey Hyde. We've got a bunch of your questions to get to, so if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can give us a call, 206-888-6755. That's 206-888-6755. Or you can leave us a speak pipe voicemail right on the front page of peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. Leave us, leave us a voicemail or a voice message right on that page with your computer and your microphone. You don't even have to make a phone call. Uh, well, we got Coach Harvey Hyde coming up right now. Coach, how you doing, sir? Everything good? Ryan, I am doing absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you what a great uh, college football year, high school football year, community college football year, and how could it end any better with championship weekend with two great games and then, of course, yesterday's Super Bowl. Depending on what side you're on, uh, I don't think anyone would deny it was a great game. So it's going to have been a great football season, and we've already completed recruiting, too, within that same period of time as far as the National Letter of Intent Day on February the 1st. So we're going to have to wait till spring practice rolls around before we really uh, get to watch more football, unless you're an arena football league guy, and if you are, <laughs> you got some on Friday. So... Uh, you know, uh, this is uh, there's never an off season. There's never a dull moment. Now everyone starts to talk about who's going to play what position and all of the different things that we'll discuss. Yeah, we got lots of lots of topics to get to between now and the start of spring football. We're down at the off season workouts, checking those out, seeing how some of the players are progressing. Uh, before we get into the show, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. They've been nice enough to sponsor us. For the last three years now, SCTickets.com is the website or call them 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for any kind of sporting event, Southern California or across the country, or even if you want to go to the theater or anything like that, you can give SC Tickets a call or check them out at SCTickets.com. And Coach, I think we could start off the show talking a little bit about signing day and uh USC obviously has the, the sanctions and they have fewer scholarships to hand out. Overall, I thought it was a really positive class, and but I think probably every coach in the country thinks that. I mean, that's that's one of the weird things about signing day is all the coaches seem to like feel that they got a great class and addressed needs and found diamonds in the roughs. It seems like it's it's a it's a time of eternal optimism after all these guys get signed. It always happens, you know. Uh, you've got to be careful not to be too optimistic, as we've discussed before, because you don't want to put yourself into a position where everybody thinks you got a bunch of great players, especially if you're a new coach, and then all of a sudden uh, you don't win many games. Then all of a sudden what happens, they think it's the coach and not the players, and you're in serious trouble. So you really have to be realistic as a football coach. You have to be honest. You have to say, yes, we got some players to fulfill our needs in this area, but we, wouldn't, we didn't in that area. Or if you did have a great recruiting year, you know, you can't really kid people today because people – know the rankings they know the players the kids know the players they know who went where so if you've had a great year you've got to say we had a great year if you didn't have a great year but then you say we had a great year but we could have used another quarterback or a split in or whatever we needed but i think it's a, a great uh, time of year to celebrate a new class and if you did get some great players it always does enhance the off-season workouts two things that really does get an off-season workout going is first of all, have a great recruiting class where your players feel challenged, the returning players, and also who you open with. 
if you open with a team that's really a challenge for you and so on, the team works very, very hard because the opening game is so important. But yet, if you play a big game, your opening game of the year, if you're not successful at it, then it's more or less a depressing type of thing, and it's tough to recover uh, with in one week to get ready for your second game, but you spent so much time working on that team. So I think recruiting is great, and, uh, but you just got to be honest with everybody on what your class really was made up of. Uh, well, we want to talk about the class a little bit, Coach, and I, I guess the way that the, the day ended and uh, when Lane Kiffin had his press conference seemed a little upset. Um, Kyle Murphy, Andres Pete, uh, Aziz Shatu guys all went to Stanford that USC seemed to have a, a, a good shot at, at least for Kyle Murphy. We'll talk about that with Gerard Martinez too, but it looked like he was a kid that had told a bunch of people that he was coming to USC. So I think there was some shock there, but they're, they're, the attitude on the message board coach, the, the fans got a little upset and maybe, uh, this is a, an interesting email we got and I wanted to read it, maybe kind of put things in perspective a little bit and get your thoughts on you know, how this class finished off. But it was Juice in San Diego said, I hate going to the message boards. Many posters are so negative and destructive to the community. So what if a kid picked another school? Stanford's an amazing educational institution, which a great football program. They're doing good things. Uh, if my kid was accepted to Stanford, I may encourage him to go there. Cal's a great school. UCLA is good too. Heck, I didn't originally go to USC. I went to Cal Poly. Growing up in LA, I knew people who just simply hated USC. Those kind of people don't root for UCLA. They root against USC. Some of those people happen to play football and never get over their dislike for USC. My question again, so what? Appreciate the positive accomplishments of signing day and help celebrate them. Fight on in 2012 and that's Juice in San Diego. I want people to kind of have a little bit better attitude about some of the players that didn't go to USC. Maybe get your thoughts on all that, Coach. Well, you know what? You never get every player, but you're very disappointed if you don't get the players you recruit very hard to get. And I think that's what I think the coaches allude to is they're saying we really worked hard. We thought we were going to get this player. All indications uh, indicated that the player wanted to come to our school. In the last moment, the player didn't come. So you're disappointed. I think the biggest thing is you're disappointed. You're not against the player whatsoever you congratulate him and he moves on and you can't do anything about it but play against him you hope that if you lose a player that you lose him to a team you don't have to play every year but if you lose him to a stanford and you're at sc then you got to play that player for four straight years but you you never have a, a bad attitude it's it's disappointment like anything else when you lose a game uh, you're disappointed when you recruit you've worked a year year and a half two years and three years on some kids and if you don't get the uh, kid on National Signing Day, and you're assuming you are. It's like when you go into a game, you're assuming and hoping you're going to win. Well, if you're competitive, then you're disappointed. And I think that's basically what it is. If you don't get some of the kids that you really work hard to recruit, then you're disappointed. If you're not disappointed, then you really didn't think you were going to get the kid or you really didn't uh, work hard or didn't want the kid. Every kid that I I lost that I really wanted, I was very disappointed. I never wished him poor luck or anything. I used to tell him, great selection, congratulations. If for some reason it doesn't work out for you, remember you can always come back and get me with us. So uh, I think it's more or less a disappointment than it is they're upset or they're not happy about uh, a kid going to another school. No. There's a kid calling me now wanting to bounce back. <laughs> Coach, come back. UNLV needs you. Um, yeah. They, I think they could use you, Coach. Well, about this class specifically, um, you know, some, some offensive linemen, some defensive backs, I think they addressed some positions of need, a couple big surprises coming out of the state of Florida, the defensive end, Leonard Williams, and uh, getting Nelson Aguilar, the five-star wide receiver athlete. Uh, some surprises that started the day off really well for USC just didn't finish as strong as, as some people would have hoped, but bringing in, you know, 17 guys, uh, really 12 that will count towards a class of 2012, meaning there's three spots left for earlier enrollees that can be rolled over for transfers or, uh, you know, mid-year graduates for the next year's class, 2013, which helps, you know, it could, it could mean USC signs up to 18 guys instead of up to, 15 from the sanction, but maybe get your thoughts coach on how the overall day went for USC and, and, you know, addressing their needs and all of that. 
Well, I thought they had a great year. Obviously, uh, you know, you don't get everybody you want, but there's always another year to get players. So it wasn't like it wasn't like they didn't get a player they had to have in order to be successful next year. They'll be, have great success next year. So any Trojan fan out there that's listening, there isn't a player that they didn't get that's going to make a difference really in next year's season. I can't think of one player out there that they lost that would make a difference in their season. But they did get players. you got to look at the positive side of it. They did get players to fulfill needs of the future and also next year. They got some very athletic players. They got some great five-star players, four-star players. In fact, Ryan, as everyone already knows, they had the highest uh, recruited class as far as percentage, as far as number-wise, an average of a four, not a four-plus, but a 4.07 average of four-star players and above, which uh, there wasn't a school in the country that had that type of rating. So they, it was a small class, but it was a quality class. The thing that bothers you the most about the class is the other, uh, say, 12 players or whatever you could have had are going to be going to other schools that, in, that on a regular year they would have been on your team, but you're going to be playing against them, and you really can't recruit everybody, but you have to maintain a four- or five-star status. There were a couple of players that FC took. There were three stars, but those three-star players certainly did uh, predict to be a different type of player by the time it was time for them to play, like the Wheeler kid and so on. So uh, I think they had a great recruiting year. Yes, they could have used another offensive tackle. Yes, maybe they could have used a quarterback. Yes, maybe... They needed a running back more than anything else. But, heck, you don't. You only play one running back every down. And if you take care of your running backs and you practice properly, and Curtis McNeil's the type of kid that's a tough kid, hey, and you're fortunate, you don't have any injuries, uh, you get through the season. D.J. Morgan is an outstanding player. And also the other players, Penner and Allen and so on, that are there uh, as far as the running back will, will fulfill the needs. And not to say they don't have a running back this year, but I don't know how many people had a chance to watch Nelson Aguilar. But I'm going to tell you, as a running back or a receiver, uh, he is an absolute superstar. I mean, he's the closest thing that I saw this year to matching DeAnthony Thomas's speed at the University of Oregon. Now, I don't know if they've ever raced or anything else or what this kid's times are. But on film, he's what we call a blur. And uh, that's uh, the type of player that could always step in. And what I love, Ryan, is on signing day when he announced, he said, I don't know what position I'm going to play. I'll play running back or receiver. And that's the type of five-star player that's thinking team and not me. I think he was a a great recruit. Yeah, certainly. I think one of the... It wasn't, a, 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 I guess, a, the best-kept secret. It seemed like towards the end, a lot of the analysts were starting to pick USC uh, in that battle. Uh, but it's, a, it's getting a guy out of the state of Florida like that, a lot of times those players don't want to talk about what's going on with their recruitment because local pressure to stay home and stay you know, in the SEC or the ACC can be really tough. Uh, on a kid, so I think it's a it's a good win for Lane Kiffin, not getting just Nelson Aguilar, but Leonard Williams as well. Two two really quality athletes out of the state of Florida. Let me tell you, Ryan, Leonard Williams is a great player. Now he's played defensive end, and they've listed him as a defensive end. He's six five, about two hundred and sixty pounds, two hundred and sixty five pounds. By the time he gets into camp, he'll be two seventy, two seventy five. He'll be eventually two ninety. This is a hard nosed football player and i really think this kid's got great potential they'd be great schools in getting leonard williams he reminds me of a southeastern conference defensive lineman that everyone talks about this kid can play and uh this kid as a freshman i'm not saying he's going to start the first game or second game but i think this kid as a freshman will work in as one of those defensive tackle spots for the defense and him and Uko and the other kids that are there will do a great job taking care of the positions that they needed help with. They do need some help there. And uh, we actually had a question on that. I think maybe that's a good segue. We can uh, go to Terry's question on that. He said, it's a question for you. 
is Greg Townsend expected to make a contribution next year? If I remember correctly, Greg was one of the most sought-after recruits last year. Then he redshirted. I'm wondering if he's as good as advertised. So he was a big uh, defensive end out of Beverly Hills High School. Obviously, he's got some NFL uh, background there with his father. Um, he's one of the guys that's going to be contributing or looking to contribute this year. A bunch of uh, the defensive linemen coach last year ended up redshirting. What are your prospects for uh, Greg Townsend? I think Greg Townsend Townsend's going to be a great player. I think he's really going to mature because now he's got an opportunity to actually start. Canado probably have one of those defensive end spots, and I think the rest of the defensive end spots will basically be open. And I think that really brings a lot of uh, competition to spring practice. He's big, he's strong, he's physical. He needs to, you know, get experience and get more turns, and also have the confidence that it takes to be a great defensive player at USC. But I think he's got a great chance of starting. I think he's got a great chance of rotating in. And uh, I think he's a great recruit. He's got great size. And uh, as you said, he comes from great stock. And uh, I think he's going to be a great player. I really do. So uh, look forward to seeing him. Uh, They redshirted him, which even makes it better. He had a chance to really mature, and they didn't waste a year on him. So I think Towns is going to be a great player. Yeah, I and mean, it's it's these are the guys that a year ago signing day, you're talking about the Antoine Woodses and the Greg Townsend and Christian Hayward, and then fans kind of forget about them a little bit because they end up redshirting, and you know we're not doing as much reporting on what's going on with the scout team. We do a little, but you know obviously you're focusing on the guys that are ready to contribute. So guys like that spend a lot of time in black jerseys on the scout team. You don't really hear from them. But people can kind of forget about him, and then they're worried about the new guys coming in. And so, like a Leonard Williams, people might talk about him, but he's still got to get over guys like Greg Townsend if he wants to come in and contribute. I agree with you 100%. And I'm talking about them actually shoving Leonard Williams down to a tackle spot, keeping Greg Townsend outside. Because what you need to do is get your best 11 players on the field. You've got to do that. You can't play with 10 of your best players in one position, you don't have a great athlete because someone doesn't play that position. You've got to find someone to play that position. Because you've got to be, you can't have any holes in your defense or any holes in your offense. You've got to have great players at every position that can make plays. And especially on defense, you've got to be able to make plays and you've got to be able to run and you've got to be able to pursue and you've got to be able to do the things that it takes to uh, be successful. And I think uh, you move players around. Look what they did last year in moving players around, Deion Bailey and so on, and, and Dawson, the way they, he, they moved Glippo out. I mean, you've got to be able to move players around. It's not fun. It's hard for a coach to do that. But you've got to get your players. Your playmakers have got to be on the field. No, of course, Coach. And, and Lane Kiffin – had to get these guys in with uh, 10 fewer scholarships than all the other schools were willing to give out. Uh, we talked about this kind of before heading into signing day. There's no blueprint. There wasn't any blueprint for this. Um, no one set a precedent of how you can kind of get this done. How would you grade the job that, uh, that Lane Kiffin did there? I mean, just looking at the class, there was certainly some misses, but you know, he had a strategy in mind. They brought in some guys. Um, do you think the strategy is going to ultimately work out, and, and do you agree with what he did? I, I agree 100% on what he did. I think the strategy is absolutely perfect. They've spent a lot of time. they spent as much time on how to put this together and get through the next two years now. They've been through one year now at 15, and they've got three extra scholarships, which makes it absolutely fantastic, uh, of how they can do this. And I think they've really tried to accomplish it and do a great job. The best guy on the whole recruiting class that they got this year is Matt Barkley. When you look at all the players, actually he came back, which no one expected him to come back, but by him coming back set a whole new tone to USC football. Everybody now would have been saying, oh, we lost these players, and who's the quarterback going to be, and this and that. But now you don't hear that. You hear everybody talking about a top-five team in the country on the preseason polls or better. And and that's because of one recruit. That's because Matt Barkley came back. And I think these other recruits now that are there, that have come in, the ones that came in early, 
and the ones that will be coming in the fall are quality players. You wish you could you wish you could redshirt them all because they have a great number since they had a large class last year that these start to make up, and you look at their numbers of who's freshmen, who's sophomore, who's juniors and seniors, and you see that, you know, that the numbers are really loaded heavily on the lower end, the sophomore and sophomore and freshman end, which means they'll have quality players during this period of time where they can only bring a few players in. But by saving by saving three scholarships rather than giving those out foolishly was very smart because now you have additional players. You can fulfill your needs next year. Uh, you actually have 18 scholarships rather than 15 scholarships, and you got to get through this period of time. And, Ryan, you and I have talked about this. Basically, there's only two years left of this. I mean, the first year is gone. And everything looks great. There's, the cupboards aren't bare at USC. So right now, the first third of the three years is finished. Now they have two more, and already next year they don't have 15. They have 18. So it's positive, and uh, you can't look back. You can't change things. you got to move forward. And with everything going against them, USC was able to prevail and have a great recruiting class. And I think the most important part, and you, you touched on this, coach is you know you get a guy like Matt Barkley back there wasn't a position of of need to say you know that that you had to expect someone to come in yeah it would be nice if you could bring in a left tackle that's going to come in and start but you're going to be able to replace Matt Khalil with a recruit you know most of the time 99.9% of the time no you're not going to be able to do that Um, you know they had guys in place already that you didn't need a defensive tackle to come in you had some guys that were red shirt it'd be nice of course uh, to build with the depth and everything. But the team was pretty much set. And the fact that you didn't need guys that could come in right away, always welcome guys if they can come in and contribute. That means they're better than someone else that's already on the team. But I think the the, the job that Lane Kiffin did was set things up last year, signing that big class, redshirt a bunch of guys, get guys in position. You have a successful season that obviously builds momentum for recruiting. And now they're poised to be, you know, ranked in the top three in the country next year without really needing this recruiting class. So, like you said, there's one year down of, of three, two more to go. And it seems like he's doing a bunch of little things to make the pain, I guess, a little less, uh, not as significant, trying to, to ride out this last couple of years of sanctions. Yes, what's actually happened here is the Pac-12 has gotten stronger because of the sanctions on USC. It's balanced out how good the Pac-12 is now. And over the three-year period, there'll be 30 players that will be playing normally with USC, against USC, because uh, these will be at other players, most of them, in the Pac-12. And if you look at the Pac-12, and I've carefully evaluated Every Pac-12 recruiting year, Arizona and Arizona State had a great year as far as uh, with new coaches. I thought Washington State had a great year and got the type of players that Mike Leach likes to get to be able to win. Washington had a good year. Stanford had a tremendous year. Uh, Cal had a high-rated year. Uh, UCLA had one of its best recruiting classes in the last five years or more. So when you look at the the Pac-12 overall, they had a great recruiting year, but a lot of that was because of players they got would have been at USC. Not all of them, but USC's players who they could have had are at some of those schools. Plus, with the enthusiasm now of these coaches they've brought in, new, fresh young, enthusiastic, winning coaches. These coaches have won places. Hey, Rich Rodriguez has won big at West Virginia. He's not an assistant coach getting his first job. Todd Graham's won big at Tulsa and Pittsburgh, and he's at Arizona State. Hey, you take Mike Leach, he took Texas Tech, and they won 10 games three or four years in a row. So, hey, Washington State isn't getting a guy from you know, the University of Redlands, where I went to school. Not that Mike Maynard doesn't do a great job and win, but they're getting Division One coaches who have been successful and know how to recruit, know how to compete, and know how to get after it. 
Colorado had a great recruiting year. If you look at their recruiting class, that's got to be as good as any recruiting class that they've had in a long time. And Utah, because of them now being a part of the the Pac-12, their recruiting class was above their normal star recruiting class. So the Pac-12 has really gotten better because of those reasons. All right, Coach. Well, I thank you for coming on the show a little bit later than our normal time when we record in the morning. I'm uh, still recovering from my trip from Las Vegas, but I appreciate you coming on the show, answering all the questions, and talking about this class. We'll be back again next week with the regular show, but thanks again, Coach. We appreciate you coming on. Ryan, thank you very much, and uh, let's get into the off season and see how much better we can get. That's everybody because uh, there's a longer off season. There is a season, and that's when you improve the most. So, Ryan, thank you. Thank you, Coach, and thanks to Southern California Tickets. We'll be back in 30 seconds talking with Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're joined by uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber, covering all things USC Trojan football. How you doing, Dan? What's up? Oh, uh, doing good. And uh, what's up is, you know, more USC, uh, USC news every day, uh, twice on the weekends, I guess. And uh, <laughs> we'll see. Although I did see uh, ESPN uh, uh, just came out this afternoon, I guess, that has USC number one uh, in their uh, very, very, very early uh, preseason pick for next year. So uh, uh, ESPN's on the bandwagon for all you uh, USC fans. So uh, not probably uh, a big surprise. I think uh, – if I'm ESPN and I like to have a lot of interest in college football, it probably doesn't get any more interesting than having USC number one and and Alabama and LSU right behind them. Uh, that uh, that could make for a very interesting uh, uh, preseason. Certainly, yes. Build up the college football, huh? Yeah, a lot. You're a long way away from the season, but a lot to do between now and then, and we'll have spring football coming up in about a month or so. Uh, but there was some news that was kind of being talked about over the weekend. Um, that's our first question. We have a voicemail question having to deal with that. Yeah, this is Richard. I have re- three uh, real quick questions. Maybe we can do rapid fire regarding the linebackers. Now that Joe Barry has left, I'm wondering, number one, uh, if you think they'd move Sammy Knight to linebacker coach since he played that position at uh, SC and in the pros, or... Number two, is it feasible to bring in somebody like uh, maybe Junior Seau or Willie McGinnis? I know they don't have any experience, but uh, enthusiasm, and uh, they're both legends wearing that number 55. Um, Enjoy the program. Maybe you guys can answer it. And what effect uh, that linebacker vacancy uh, will have on the upcoming uh, season, and uh, who do you guys think they'll get? Thanks very much. Enjoy the show. Take care. Bye. Okay. Well, uh, my my hope right now would be (laughs) – that they uh, that the deal with Joe Barry and uh, San Diego isn't uh, an absolutely finalized done deal. I would love if if it were up to me, and, and I kind of wrote this a little bit. But if it were up to me, uh, I'm trying to recruit and re-sign or keep uh, Joe Barry. Uh, I'm telling him, uh, you know, we're gonna, you know, if it takes some uh, reworking of, of the duties and responsibilities and game planning and uh, uh, the uh, the way defenses are called during the games and all that. Uh, I just think having uh, three of the four defensive coaches back next year is really important. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Monty, uh, there's going to be some reshuffling, of, in a, in a, you know, of the defense in the you know, next few years anyway. And if it starts now – I think Joe did. Uh, I would have labeled him as the MVP of all the assistant coaches, as good a job as 
so many of those guys did, including Sammy Knight as a grand assistant and stepping in for Willie Mac Garza and working with uh, Monty and uh, with the safeties and in the secondary. Uh, I think Joe Barry did the best job. He had the most responsibility. He had the most pressure. He had the youngest uh, players. He ended up with an all-freshman uh, uh, starting group. Uh, he brought more guys along, more uh, more of a distance. I think they had more to come, more you know, uh, they had farther to come than anybody. Uh, they changed kind of how they used them. They changed kind of the look of the linebackers. Uh, I thought uh, it really will, would be key. Uh, to keep uh, to keep Joe if there's any possibility. So until that point, I'm not sure uh, uh, that there's a lot of uh, uh, that it's terribly productive to start speculating on uh, on uh, who uh, which way to go. Although you make a good point with Sammy Knight, the problem we we're not sure what the status of Sammy Knight is, and, and nobody's actually been able to kind of tell us. Uh, uh, it was his second year as a grad assistant, uh, but technically we're not sure if last year counted as a grad assistant year or as a full assistant year because uh, the NCAA limits you to just two years. The fact that Sammy wasn't uh, involved in recruiting at the end of the uh, recruiting period makes us wonder, and we haven't uh, – haven't had much contact with Sammy, but but you make a good point that Sammy, as much as we think of him as a safety, he also was a linebacker at USC. So uh, it's an interesting thought. Uh, I think the less change, uh, the better for the defense going forward. They all, all we already know that they have to hire a secondary coach. So and we understand they you know want somebody with uh, uh, you know pretty specific NFL experience. And the problem with that is it took almost two years for the NFL experience of uh, Monty and, and Joe Barry to kind of work its way through till they got to where they could really feel comfortable coaching in college football. So you bring in another NFL guy, while that has some serious benefits in terms of uh, the kind of recruiting USC does and the kind of edge that it has in pre- preparing guys for the NFL – the downside is you got a learning curve again. And uh, if you end up with two new guys in here next year with two new learning curves, I mean, let's face it, if you actually pick number one, uh, they can only, they cannot stub their toe. You know, you might be able to stub your toe in the uh, SEC and uh, still make it to the championship game. Uh, that's probably not possible anywhere else, and, and certainly not for USC. And USC's got enough experience of how that uh, is not able to be overcome by USC. So uh, the less change USC makes there, the better. And I'd also probably say I'm, I'm not in favor of any big-name uh, uh, linebacker coaching possibilities. I think that it's just way too uh, – uh, the, the requirements in terms of recruiting, teaching, um, I mean, I think, you know, you need to be – a great teacher, and you need to be able to bond with basically high school kids. I mean, that's one of the things I thought Joe Barry did so well was uh, a guy, you know, with uh, so much NFL experience came in here, and I thought really, really bonded with young players, kids right out of high school, uh, and and made them, uh, you know, I mean, that linebacker core by the end of the year was uh, really something special, and he was doing it with young kids. And that's a special skill, and uh, I mean he will be hard to replace if uh, if they can't uh, maybe ultimately figure out a way to save him. Um, all right. Well, thanks for that question, and uh, yeah, we we still don't have any official words, so we're waiting on that. But Dan did write a really good piece on uscfootball.com on it. Check it. Check that out. Uh, we had a couple questions, Dan, on. One of the offensive linemen that we haven't heard a lot from. So one of them's a voicemail, and I'll read you a little bit more of a written question afterwards. But here's the uh, voicemail question. Hi, Ryan. My name is Jack, and I'm a long-time listener podcast. I had a couple questions for Dan. Uh, two years ago, Lanny Davis did his evaluation of Lane's first recruiting class. He said that Giovanni DiPaolo 
was the best lineman that he had seen in the past five years out of the OC, and that he liked him better than Sontrell Henderson. DePaulo is listed at six foot six, two ninety five on the on the uh, roster. I'm wondering if uh, he had any thoughts on his development and whether he could contribute in the future. Plus, uh, the second question is in regards to Matt Khalil's backup, uh, which is uh, Nathan Gertier, who's listed at six foot five, two sixty five. Wondering what the uh, staff thinks of him, or what Dan thinks of him, and whether or not he could put on some weight and uh, perhaps contribute uh, next year or in the future. He's only a freshman, and being that he was Matt Khalil's uh, or uh, Matt Khalil's backup last year, he must have been pretty pretty decent. So, anyway, uh, thank you so much uh, for answering the questions, and uh, look forward to hearing from him. Thank you. Bye bye. And Dan, one thing. Those are good questions. Yeah, yeah. and one, uh, Dave and Tustin had the same kind of question on DePaulo. And they're, they're talking about Lanny Julius, who we have. We'll try to have him on the podcast again in the next couple of weeks. So he, he's a longtime NFL college scout recruiter, and he gives evaluations. And, uh, you know, we, it's always fun to talk to him after recruiting classes. But uh, Dave and Tustin had the same question, saying that, that Lanny really gave DePaulo a lot of praise. Uh, and it's so basically his question was along the same line. So maybe you can talk yeah, about, I, I, I like Devonnie's a really cool guy. Uh, and, uh, he, his weight really varied. And he, he, he went up and he went down and then he had his shoulder problem. And I, I think he tried to play too, too much with, uh, with a shoulder, uh, and tried to rehab it and rehab it and rehab it. And then, uh, when they got started in August, it was obvious the shoulder didn't come back. I mean, he had he'd gotten a knocked out of place a few times uh, in uh, in spring ball, and uh, didn't really get to show what he could do. Uh, he's a, uh, and so I think it's totally going to be dependent in his situation as to how well he rehabs it. Are those the kind of shoulders? I mean, sometimes you get the kind of shoulders that are just chronic uh, issues and. In, in, and no matter how much uh, you know you rehab and and, and what the surgery is, uh, it doesn't come back. So we're going to see. <clears throat> They've got a fairly significant group of of guys working as the kind of the rehab group, uh, trying to get ready for uh, spring ball. So that'll be an interesting one. I don't think he's six six. I know I don't care what the roster listing at. He doesn't look quite that big. And, um, and it'll be interesting to see where his weight does end up. I mean, they've actually kind of tried to keep these guys on the lower side of uh, uh, of the 300s and, and not too much above it. Uh, and that would be probably a pretty good weight for him. But uh, uh, he could, you know, probably be somebody uh, like an A. Markowitz who could play, uh, you know, all three interior positions, both guards and center. Uh, but, again, it depends on, on how his shoulders do. Nathan Gertler, I thought, has a lot of natural ability. He's got great uh, body lean and control and uh, athleticism. I mean, he's got a, a really nice-looking frame. Uh, when we talked to him last year, as Matt Talil's backup, you know, his goal was over this winter uh, to put on the 20 or 25 pounds that he needs to, uh, to get himself up to where he could really compete for that spot. But uh, he's probably uh, uh, far better than the normal kid you're going to see as a walk-on. And uh, USC very fortunate to have him uh, with the numbers situation going forward. Uh, and he's uh, he, if he, when he goes by, for example, uh, he doesn't look like a walk-on. I mean, there are some guys that, you know, you come by and you say, yeah, kid's probably a walk-on. Uh, and then there are guys like Nathan Gertler who do not look like walk-ons. They look like mm-hmm. scholarship players yeah. and carry themselves like scholarship players, and they they get their stance and they look like scholarship players and that. All he's just ever uh, all we've ever thought about him is just a little lean, but uh, uh, I, I, I like him. I don't think anybody doesn't like him. I mean, I think everybody just says, you know, we'll see if he's able to put on the – the muscle mass and, and all of that when he really uh, uh, concentrates on it in, uh, in Coach Osmus' program uh, over the uh, over the winter here, but uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't we don't want to forget him, uh, and 
and we're not. But uh, we want to see what he uh, what he comes back at for spring ball. Okay, uh, thanks for those questions, guys, on the offensive line. Scott in Denver had a question about the USC cornerback situation. He says, what's the latest on the health of Torin Harris? Is he 100% yet? Also, do you see Harris or Wiley or someone else being the number two cornerback this coming season? Well, you'd have to get, uh, just on health uh, alone, you'd have to, and the fact that he started the last six games, uh, Isaiah Wiley would have to have the edge there, I would think, and he's a kind of a lean, uh, uh, aggressive, again, giving USC a little more of that Southeastern Conference uh, feeling, uh, you know, one, a kid from West Monroe, Louisiana, by way of Arizona Western Junior College, but uh, but it took him a few, uh, he didn't get in early last year, didn't get the early entry, uh, and, and didn't get spring ball, so he was... Uh, uh, playing a little bit of catch up, uh, you know, through the first half of the season, but then he, uh, with Torin Harris's uh, nerve injury, uh, and I, we're not sure. I don't think we even know yet, and maybe won't know till we get really close to spring. Uh, what happens? With, I mean, uh, Torin's situation was uh, a nerve, a shoulder, a nerve in the shoulder that uh, doesn't exactly respond to any kind of rehab that that where you can say if we do this it will come back and uh, so it was one of those things that they kept testing it and testing it the second half of the season and where they might have a little encouragement one day then the next day they wouldn't it wouldn't seem to have, have you know come back yet so uh, he didn't get to practice and didn't get to play uh, so I think it's one of those kinds of things that they just don't know about. Uh, so um, we're going to see by, uh, obviously, when spring practice starts, we'll know something about Thorne. But, uh, but I think you got to give Isaiah Wiley the, uh, the advantage there. And as a, uh, as a wild card, should the NCAA and the uh, you know, generosity of their, you know, treating USC's players like, no, oh, maybe they go to Ohio State or something, should Josh Shaw get the hardship? waiver and be allowed to play he will be a factor he's uh, 6'2 195 and very competitive uh, just from watching him in the throwing sessions he's this year's uh, Anthony Brown where you know first kid out there and the last kid to leave the field and the, the guy all the uh, wide receivers want to go up against because he's a he's a the tough guy and the athletic guy and uh, he didn't get to do this he said at, at Florida but uh, he's uh, he's loving it, and he's a, he's a he looks like a great pickup uh, for USC, even if he doesn't get to play this year. But if he does get to play, he will he'll be a factor. He's uh, he's the biggest cornerback USC's had in a long, long time, and uh, he looks athletic again. He's a California kid, but he brings some of that Southeastern Conference uh, uh, mentality. Uh, to cornerbacks and the secondary here, and I think uh, he's a real plus. I agree with you 100% on all your points on that, Dan, and it'll be fun to watch. A lot of, lot of talented players in the secondary right now, so we're going to see during spring football how that all shakes out. Um, let's go to, we have a speak pipe, excuse me, speak pipe question. So these are questions on com. You can leave us a voice message right on the left side of the page. You just click on it and Speak right into your computer microphone, and you can leave us one of those voice messages. And here's uh, here's one of those questions right now for you, Dan. How you doing, Ryan? This is Jorge from Washington, D.C. I love the show. Thank you for putting it on. My message is for either Coach or Dan Weber, whoever would like to take it. Uh, I had a question about Soma Vanuku and Javarius Buck Allen. They seem like two capable big backs that can pound the rock when we need them to. And uh, them backing up DJ Morgan and McNeil, it seems like we have a pretty good rotation, barring any injuries. Uh, so I guess the second part of that question is, are we overreacting uh, at the lack of depth? Um, I think he, <laughs> all the way in Washington, D.C., I think you can pick up on the fact that there may be a tendency to, quote, overreact uh, on the parastyle and everywhere else. And, and that's what we do over the winter <laughs> Is I think uh, there's a chance to overreact, and yeah, it's hard to predict. You know, what if 
you know, this injury or what if that injury or, or whatever. But, but uh, Soma, you know, is not an unaccomplished runner. Uh, and he's probably still right around 240 pounds. He's out there every, uh, every you know, voluntary workout. He just wants to get better. It's obvious how hard he, you know, hard he works. He does catch the ball really well. And, you know, he had a couple of thousand yards as a, as a senior running back. So, uh, you know, I would never not count him, you know, as a running back. Now, we haven't seen Buck Allen out, out on, the, on the field yet, but according to people who have seen him in the weight room, that, you know, one of the words that they use is explosive, uh, that he, you know, he certainly looks like, a big time player. I mean, when he walked by, I mean, he basically did scout, you know, teamwork. He got in here late, so he didn't get the advantage last uh, August of the kind of exposure that they give, uh, you know, to the new kids because uh, he missed that. Uh, and so once he got cleared, he basically got here in time to be part of the uh, of the scout team. And uh, one of the big problems with the scout team is uh, a we don't have quite the same access to both sides of the field that we used to, and B, when they put those uh, service team black, uh, you know, jerseys on, uh, the numbers correspond to the uh, the numbers of the next team USC is playing, but you don't always uh, know who's who, so you don't always get a chance to see. I mean, we, you can see, Vic, you know, Victor Blackwell, for example, uh, was really impressive, you know, as a scout team receiver. But you don't always know who's he's getting to carry the ball. Uh, and so uh, we really don't have a good fix on uh, Buck Allen as a running back yet. But, uh, yeah, I would not overreact to the point of saying, um, man, we just don't have enough uh, players back there like some people do. I think, uh, I think they got a – you know, USC has a good shot at, uh, at having enough depth there. Obviously, Amir Carlisle – made it a really good situation, I thought. He was just the perfect uh, complement to everything they've got, and he showed that at the end of the year, I thought. Uh, so not having him, you know, it's enough to say, dang, you know, that that, that kind of hurts. As he gave you some versatility, he gave you some burst, he could catch the ball, he could actually score on a screen pass. That was almost unheard of, uh, that <laughs> kind of thing, so... Uh, you, 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 so that's a loss. There's no, you can't hide that any other way that that's a loss. But but right now, I think people might be overreacting a little bit. And no matter what everybody says, George Farmer's out there, and everybody's so overreacted to putting a position on George. But um, but George is going to do a lot of things, and so will Nelson Aguilar. And so uh, there, you know there are ways in which USC can can probably address uh, the whole running back situation unless you just have a run of uh, horrifically bad luck. And if that happens, you know, whatever team that happens to, uh, you know, if you're down to your fifth-string guy, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You're in trouble. Uh, good point. And you mentioned Nelson Aguilar, uh, Dan, and I wanted to end the podcast on this last question, kind of a you know, I guess it deals with recruiting, but it is on. We do have a question on Nelson Aguilar. I thought I'd let you uh, field this one. Here you go. Yeah, hi, Ryan. Uh, good morning to you. Just want to um, get your opinion on this. This uh, kid, Aguilar, um, out of Florida. I think he's going to turn out to be everything uh, that uh, Kiffin wanted in Farmer as a tailback, even though I know it may, he may eventually end up as a wide receiver. But I have, I have a good feeling that he's going to fill the role as a as as um, the kid Amir Carlisle left to uh, Notre Dame, fill his role there. I just want to get your opinion on that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think that's a pretty astute uh, uh, observation. I, I think that when you watch uh, uh, Nelson's highlights, uh, real stuff, the thing he does so well, and this is what Amir did, is he translates the catch and run, uh, you know, into a, a very natural uh, and instinctive and uh, very confident uh, situation, and I thought again that's why Amir handled the screen pass uh, so well. And it looks to me like Nelson Aguilar is that same exact kind of guy, where he just seems to be able to create space for himself. Uh, 
when he catches the ball in the backfield, for example. He just has that kind of uh, 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 wide base where uh, even though he's a, a kind of a lean guy, he runs where he can run wide and he can go this way and that way and uh, and just seems to be the guy, the kind of it has the kind of instincts where you just know where uh, where that seam is, where the open space is, where the pressure is coming from, and that's kind of uh, one of those things that you know really really great running backs and wide receivers have that ability to just find the open space, even though it's not so obvious and it's not so open, they can find it. He looks like that kind of a guy, and I think you're right. He he does give. Uh, Lane, uh, some real uh, flexibility there, and uh, and USC is probably going to need it. But but I do see that is his role. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. Great question. I thought it was a good segue since it was exactly what you were already talking yeah. about. Um, all right. Well, Dan, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show, and want to apologize for everyone putting up the podcast a little late. Just coming back from Las Vegas, we'll be back to our normal schedule. We'll be up a little bit earlier next Monday. But thanks again, Dan, for uh, coming on the show. We re- really appreciate it. I uh, can't, can't enjoy anything more than talking USC football, and there's a whole lot to talk about. There certainly is, and uh, we're going to come back tomorrow with a Trojan Blast podcast, working on a live show, too. We're not sure if we're going to do that on Wednesday. I will try to put something together. We'll have an update on Tuesday for the Trojan Blast. But uh, thanks again to Coach Harvey Hyde and Dan Weber, and everyone, I hope you really enjoyed the show. And if you want to hear some more USC football, specifically recruiting, come back tomorrow on peristylepodcast.com for the Trojan Blast. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Music